Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks. Ooh, it is pretty warm out there already. How is your plant world doing? Boy, it's got to be pretty dry. So hopefully you've been irrigating because if you haven't, there could be some damage to lots of different kinds of plants. So anyway, where's the rain? Why don't we have any rain? They always say, There'll be thunderstorms and this and that overnight, maybe here at the PM. Nothing is happening. It is really dry. But if you have any questions about your plant world, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And leading off every Saturday morning is a good gardening stroll. Afterwards, we'll discuss what's impacting your trees besides lack of water, your perennials, that uh, low spot in your yard, which nothing seems to grow except those stinking weeds that you don't like. Or we can step inside and check out your tropical world. Maybe they need to go outside for some fresh air. And uh, let's see, your dogs are running along the fence. Hmm, not having any ability to grow any grass along there. Well, we can talk about it. I'll share my knowledge, and hopefully it will help you make a decision but the action you're going to take is going to be up to you. And just remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you hearing about the plant world and having me come into your radio world. Another very important player is Drew. He's producing, so he will answer the phone. He also pushes all the buttons, and he's solving problems all over the place this morning. He's like all over, yeah. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, we get uh, I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation. It's called a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. This past week, I was in Lake St. Louis. Great house, great setting, and everything else. Uh, the area from the back of their house down to the lake... Lake St. Louis, of course, uh, was a little steep. So because I have epilepsy, the medication I take kind of messes up my equilibrium. So I couldn't make it down. I was afraid to. No, I wasn't afraid to. I was going to. But if I took a spill, they wouldn't, they'd feel bad about it. So I just stayed up at the top, and they took some pictures with their phone. But anyway, the Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Where in the world can you see 
an artificial Christmas tree dropped off for recycling? Hmm. Or our iris and redbud trees kind of kissing each other at the trunk at the bottom of the uh, redbud tree. Uh, pallets of bricks and blocks and stones and slate shingles. And about five feet away from those, there's a lily pond full of lilies in bloom. And uh, there was a nice racked up peony, which was huge, but uh, the rack kept it from like falling apart. Now the flowers are fading. There's a brick walkway, there's a gazebo, there's urns, there's roses overlooking fruit trees, mulch piles, sedum, opuntia, opuntia cactus, tomatoes, dog bowls, nasturtium in full orange bloom. There's all kinds of variegated ground covers. There's poppy flowers. Some of the poppy flowers were full of uh, honeybees. So they were there taking active action. There's blooming raspberries, purple cone flowers. There's hoses and faucets ready to go, asparagus. And on the north end of this area, there's a shade garden with a blooming oak leaf hydrangea. A rabbit was in there. He saw me and he said, well, I don't know who you are, so I'm going to go hide underneath something. A pine tree. There's some really bright red cherries dangling from the fruit tree that uh, obviously had been blooming earlier in the year. There's ornamental grasses and much more to see and experience along the sidewalk and in the raised bed areas. Where is this? Well, it's on North Street between Barton and Lamai. This is a Soulard co-op garden, and it was established in 1992. That was quite a while ago. That was two years before I started the garden hotline. And it's supported by Wells Fargo Advisors, Gateway Greening, and the Missouri Foundation for Health. So if you do have any questions, we've got uh, phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start off the day with going into Bunny's yard. Hi, Bunny. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have some beautiful lilacs that bloomed this year. They were gorgeous. Okay, now when do I cut the foliage down? Uh, You don't need to cut the foliage. You can cut the flowers off if you want, but uh, there's no reason to cut the foliage. Well, it's too close to my sidewalk and I need to trim it so that I, it doesn't interfere with people walking. Oh, I see. So uh, it's not the ideal time to do it because of humidity and the heat and everything else. But okay. uh, if you don't do it now, then it's not going to make any difference because if I'm telling you do it uh, you know, later on. So I would say just go ahead and, and prune it. Okay. Okay. I'll do it very lightly because I don't <laughs> want to disturb the plant. Right. They were beautiful. Well, that's and great. And the peonies, the peonies I have now, I know I don't cut the foliage back till it starts turning brown, right? right? Exactly. Okay. Do I cut it all the way down then? Uh, no, you don't. Once it starts turning brown, you can. But, uh, I mean, to cut it part way down and then cut, have to cut it down again. So I would say let it get, you know, pretty much pronounced, 
you know, going into, let's say, hibernation and then just uh-huh. cut it down at ground level. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's head to Rance's. Hi, Rance. Yeah. Hi. Um, I have a bunch of winter creeper that I'd like to kill. Is there anything I can spray on it? <laughs> Uh, that's a really a tough ground cover to kill. I mean, it's a, the best thing I would say to do is if you're not opposed to using Roundup, use Roundup for killing woody plants. And But first, I would run over it with a mower, such a mower high, so you can sort of like open up some yeah. wounds and damage it, it and then spray. It's on a rocky slope. Oh. It's on a rocky slope, and I can't, yeah, I couldn't, that's not an option. Okay, so I would say be very careful about how come you want to kill it off then. Because it's, 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 it's growing up my trees, and it's just, it's just taking over everything. Right, but uh, if you get rid of it, understand that then you're going to potentially have a major erosion problem. Well, that's is. true, but this is all rock. Well, I would say then, are you then you're just going to be looking at the rock because there's nothing that can really do really well in a circumstance like that. I mean, there are plants for rock gardens and things like that, but they're not going to be as as aggressive as uh, the Euonymus winter creeper. But you, you Roundup's about the only thing you can spray on it. Well, there are, you know, it's just. That's what I used when I had a home. I had some winter creeper along a creek, and uh, that's what I used when I lived in, in the house in Webster Groves. And when I was at the Botanical Garden, I used that to kill some winter creeper in some areas in the English Woodland Garden that we're, we were re- developing. So that's what I know will be successful. There may be other herbicides that work if you want to head to your favorite ground cover and tell them what you have and see what they may have and give that a try. All right. Thank you for your advice. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Hildy's. Hi, Hildy. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Great. Maybe you covered this, but I need a couple of Hail Marys because my sycamore tree looks awful. Half the leaves are brown and curled. And I've looked around at other sycamore trees, and they kind of look the same. Yes, they do throughout the whole area. All the sycamores around uh, Christie Park, you know, where we live, and every place I go, they just had a brutal, apparently, you know, early spring and everything else. I mean, they are just, uh, they don't look good. So we just have to kind of keep our fingers crossed. And they they really like, you know, moisture, and they're... (laughs) With this, we're having several different dry spells, and that's not helping them at all. So hopefully they'll just, uh, you know, kind of recover because it is a nightmare. There's nothing you can really do. You can't, if they're a full-size tree, the amount of watering, uh, if you want to go ahead and water them, it's not going to change what there is there now, but it could prevent the root system from dehydrating more, which would enable it to maybe recover next year if the weather's better. Got it. And water, like the entire canopy area on the ground? Well, about you can start like halfway out from the trunk to the extension of the branches and soak that area really, really well. Okay. So in All other right. words, run your sprinkler or whatever you have uh, for probably an hour or two and then, you know, make sure you rotate it all the way around to get the whole area dampened. Got it. 
Well, what a shame. Yes, it is. I mean, sycamores are really kind of a cool tree. A lot of people don't like them because they have the exfoliating bark and they do this and they do that. But uh, I think they're really important for the region. Well, this towers over my house by at least double. So it's a huge tree. (laughs) Oh, 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 that's too bad. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, thank you. I was was hoping there was a quick fix, but not knowing (laughs) what's (laughs) up. There is no quick fix to anything, especially something like a large tree. Uh, all right. Well, we'll cross our fingers. Thank you so yep, much. Sure. And now let's head over to John's yard. Hi, John. Uh, all right. Hey, John, are you there? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hello, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a, a lilac bush that's large. It's about seven feet by seven, I guess. And it has uh, green leaves on about the all oh, the last uh, uh, twelve inches of the seven foot stalk, and I wondered, you know, can I can I cut this back uh, considerably and still have it live? Well, it may live, but this is just the habit of lilacs. Usually you're going to have out of seven feet, you should have about the, the top three feet with foliage on it. The fact that you just happen to have the top foot with just foliage, uh, there's not really, that's their, just their natural habit. So in other words, it'll be a bare trunk all the way up to, you know, where uh, the leaves that are coming out of the, is the area that's getting the most sunlight. So if you wanted to, I'm assuming you got several canes coming up out of the ground or off a single trunk. If you want to cut about a, a third of them or 25% of them back about halfway and then see if you can stimulate some new growth that way, that would be about the only thing you're going to do. But they're still never going to be bushy. Uh-huh. Well, there are, uh, I didn't really count the canes, but there must be, uh, 12 to 15 of them, something like that. Right. And it's right next to a uh, a cedar tree, I believe. And oh. it it doesn't get full sunlight, but it does get it does get a lot, especially in the afternoon. Right. So I mean, if I don't know how close it is to the juniper or cedar, but consequently that tree's root system could be you know impacting your lilac as well. But uh, the fact that you're just ha- you have Foliage on just that very narrow or very small part of the top, that's just kind of, you know, in this setting, in your setting, this is what's going to happen regardless of what you do. And so you suggested I cut uh, cut about uh, half of them back, back about halfway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Excuse me. Yeah, and just, you know, don't cut the biggest ones because they probably don't have any functional f- flower or foliage buds along the, along the stem or, the, <clears throat> excuse me, along the trunk. So consequently, this, go after the kind of the thinner ones. All right, then. And then we'll see what it does next year. Right, uh-huh. exactly. Thank you, Mike. Sure, my yeah. pleasure. And now let's go over to Norma's yard. Hi, Norma. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. A patch of uh, Siberian irises, and I, there was about 60 of them blooming, and through the years it's just gotten to be less and less. 
what is the best way to transplant those or to dig those up and move them? Uh, don't do it now because of the heat of the summertime. Right, That's gonna of course. Be, but uh, sometime in the fall, just go ahead and, and sometime after, uh, let's say, late August all the way through uh, Halloween, get it just, you know, get the area. You can prepare the area where you're moving them and, you know, go from there. Okay. How deep do they have to be planted? Well, whatever depth they are right now. So usually, okay. the, I mean, they don't have the classic tuber root system like right, the right. flags do. But uh, right. they just, so they're just kind of like a perennial, same kind of root system as a sunflower, you know, or purple coneflower or something like that would have. So definitely don't plant them any deeper than what they are currently. Gotcha. And then also, why did all of my abelias die this year? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's just been the crazy year for certain things, and uh, that's you know, it was just been the weather. Yeah, I think that's that's what the guy that does my yard says. Right. Yeah, he said the same thing. And then also, I have a lilac bush that has been planted for about probably maybe four years, something like that. And it, it gets these little skinny things on that don't even have any color. And it just doesn't bloom like the way I think it should. And I don't know whether it's that it doesn't get enough sun. Can that be transplanted at this point? Uh, doing it, you know, heading into our summertime, it may be to its disadvantage. You can give it a try if you want to. But uh, I would, you know, again, wait until... You know, we're heading into fall before I do any kind of digging of anything to try to move it. So my yard guy thought it was the right time of the year. He knows all that kind of stuff. He's really smart. But I just, it just hasn't bloomed like the the blooms are so light colored and there's hardly any of them. They're like skinny. You know, it's not like the big full lilac bushes that you see around St. Louis. You know, it isn't anything close to that yet. Right. And it's still, it's, it's a young one. So it takes yes. several years for them to get established and they do prefer to be in full sun, you know, all yes. day long, every day. And then every time you take yeah. an hour or two of that off, then it's yes. going to have an impact. I know. The problem is the way my yard is structured. You know, it's hard to find full sun place to put um, a guy like that. So I'm going to have to work on that. So, okay. Thank you so much for your show. Really appreciate it and love listening. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. If you weren't there, I would not be here. So just keep that in mind. And let's, why don't we go ahead and take a break? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve, how are you? Just fine, and uh, thank you, Mike, for your years of garden education. It's much appreciated by many of us. Thank you. Uh, I have a question. We've got a, about a 25-year-old uh, crimson maple tree. It's about 14 to 16 inches in diameter, and... Um, it's been doing well till the last few years. Uh, it doesn't fully leaf out, and the leaves that are on there are um, are smaller than they had been. And I, I don't know if that's a natural thing with this or if we're having a problem here. Yeah, it's kind of a – I don't want to say it's a natural thing, but they're not really the best tree for this region. So consequently, as they aged, which yours is getting a little bit older, it's not as old as potentially it could be, but they don't do as well as when they're younger. So the root system and everything else 
with our crazy weather, it just it's just a little bit you know adverse to them, and that's probably what you're experiencing. Okay, I did have one thing about ten years ago. We planted a, uh, some sedum ground cover around uh, you know underneath it, and sure. I didn't know if that was robbing water from it too. Oh no. I no, mean, they wouldn't. Okay, it'd be the other way around. So the fact that you planted sedum underneath the tree was pretty smart, because a lot of the things that are put underneath uh, some of the trees, they can't compete with the tree's feeder roots, and then consequently it leads to their down, let's say downturn. Okay, well, good. So, well, we'll enjoy it while it lasts. Then. Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Let's see. Yeah. Where should we go now? Let's head over to Bill's. Hi, Bill. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Hey, we've got some lamb's ear uh, in our yard that we've had for 10 years, and it does really, really well, and it's done so well that we've transplanted it around the yard. We've given it to friends. But this year, or last year, we actually moved some to a different part of the yard, and now we've got blooms on this transplanted lamb's ear. It's 18 or 20 inches tall. It's never bloomed in 10 years. Do you know why that might have happened? No, I really don't. I mean, it's it's kind of an oddball plant, you know, just for the fact that it's got that gray fuzzy foliage and everything else. But the fact that it hasn't flowered, maybe you know, maybe it needs to be ten years old, or maybe it just needs to be more <laughs> mature or something. But I'm assuming you moved it to a location that's still sunny and you know. You don't overwater it because that's what it you know, Ex- could be. Detrimental. Exactly. Actually, actually, we move it to a place with more sun, so right. maybe that's the issue. Right. Because yeah. they do prefer hot sun all day long every day. Right. One last question. We've got a Coosa dogwood that's really struggled this year, uh, losing branches. The leaves are, are tiny, very, very few blooms this year. Any thoughts on that? Uh, just how old is it? You know, it's probably 15 years old yeah, or more. Yeah, that could be a factor. I mean, you wouldn't think, you know, it should last longer than that, but they can. But, again, I'm throw- I keep throwing the same thing out as far as this weather the last year or so has been really detrimental to lots of different kinds of plant material. And so, consequently, that's probably had an impact on it. But uh, recovery might be iffy because, uh, well, you know what the buds look like uh, as we sort of, like, get to in the in the summertime and going into fall uh so just you know just check out for flower buds and see how many you have but it, they just may be uh maybe it's kind of it's on the downhill side of its life okay we appreciate your help mike take care sure my pleasure and uh let's go now to dennis's yard hi dennis hi good morning mike hi i've got a uh Oh, Manhattan Euronymous plants around my house, and the last few years, they the branches and the leaves got covered with little white speck things. I don't know if they were aphids or scale, and I treated them this past winter with dormant oil, and a lot of the branches have like died off. Now this 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 late in the season, they are starting to grow back from the ground. Can you help me with what I did wrong with that? You didn't do anything wrong. The Manhattan Euronymous experienced some really detrimental circumstances due to the weather this year throughout the entire region. So the fact you had scale on it, you know, that kind of made it a little bit weaker, but uh, you didn't really do anything wrong. The dormant oil, that was something you should have done because that suffocates. So consequently, you've done everything you possibly can, except you didn't build, a let's say, 
a greenhouse over to protect it from this goofball weather that we had earlier. Should I keep applying the dormant oil or should I cut off the branches that, that don't re, you know, regrow? Well, if you, if, you, if you don't see the scale, the scale won't fall off if the dormant oil suffocates them. So they will hang on until finally they just you know, break loose on their own. And so consequently, just because they're dead doesn't necessarily mean they're going to fall off instantly. But uh, I would say if you've got branches that are not leafing, you know, that haven't leafed out at all, aesthetically that kind of makes them not so good. So I would just go ahead and cut those back if they haven't started to push out any growth. And I'm saying that because I observe them when I'm walking around or in, you know, driving to, you know, walk and talks and things like that. A lot of them, you know, did experience some bad results of the fall cold snap that we had, uh, but they've recovered and, you know, kind of are really looking pretty good. So if yours are not, I would say any stems that don't have any leaves on them, go ahead and cut them off. And what about fertilizing with the, with the amount of scale I had? Is it okay to fertilize it, and what should I use? Uh, any kind of broadleaf evergreen, which these are, just go ahead and use a. Uh, acid-based fertilizer, so like a mere acid or something along that line. Okay, great, Mike. Thank you very much. Appreciate your help. Sure, my pleasure. And let's see, we can get a couple more calls in. Um, let's go over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, I have uh, a mulch area that we're redoing. It's a pretty big area under a pin oak tree and because um, we knew we couldn't grow grass under there after many years of trying but uh finally uh it's the time that i need to redo it because a lot of it's dissipated and long story short before i put this new uh weed barrier down what in your opinion is the best roundup type spray to to knock all that stuff down i mean there's not a whole lot of grass anymore shooting out or anything but i want to you know do anything i can before i put that new weed barrier down what would you use well are you using a weed barrier separate from the mulch you're putting down yeah, I'm going to put the weed barrier down and then the mulch over the top. Well, basically, the weed barriers are great for controlling things that are already there growing. So, in other words, anything that's underneath it is fine. New things can, the seeds can blow in and then the seeds can go down through the mulch, you know, germinate and then go through the weed barrier. But uh, for the most part, I would say you really don't have to do too much prior to putting okay. the weed barrier down. Just put a, uh, I know they make different, like, thicknesses and mills and stuff. Just use a thick weed barrier, and I should be good? Right. All right. Well, we'll give it a shot. Thanks, and uh, stay cool today. <laughs> yeah. Mentally, All right, at least. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Sure. And let's see. Now, let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I'm very concerned about all my hydrangeas. I uh, went out walking the yard, and uh, none of them have any buds whatsoever. Some are like 15 years old with big displays always before, nothing. There's no buds, nothing. And then we put some lamp lighters in another section about three years ago, and they were prolific and beautiful. And now nothing, no buds. I'm getting greenery, but no buds that are setting to come out. But we have one plant that is a hydrangea that we put in kind of the middle of last year, and it's filled with buds getting ready to bloom. So what is going on with the hydrangeas? Are 
are there going to be any this year or is there something wrong or I don't get it. Well, as long as they're leafing out, then that's the best thing you can hope for. If they weren't leafing out, then it'd be like, (gasps) but if they're leafing out, you may not get the flowering this year, but they'll be healthy and then be able to probably flower for you next year. Unless we have some, again, the screwy weather has, you know, impacted many different things, you know, and, all the settings are different. Your yard's different than someplace what you know that may have had some flowers. But the hydrangeas overall, the oak leaf hydrangeas seems to be fine. But uh, the majority of them haven't really done all that well. The, the early spring ones, the PGs and things like that, really didn't flower at all. But if they're leafing out, that's the best thing you can hope for. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Josh's yard. Hi, Josh. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you today? Good. Appreciate all your uh, advice through the years. Um, I've had a, a about a four foot tall by four foot diameter rose bush in my front yard, kind of a centerpiece of the landscape. Thought it was kind of dead, but it seems to be starting to come alive a little bit. Is there anything you recommend to help it? When I was thinking about taking it out. Um, but it looks like it's starting to come alive a little bit, but very little. Well, if it's uh, if you can be patient, because if it's if it, the canes were killed, where's the new foliage coming from? Is it coming at from, the base off the roof yes, system? Oh. From the base. So then everything above the ground is not doing anything. Not really, no. no. But what's coming up looks really nice. Right. But it's awfully big. So I was just wondering, should I fertilize water more? Well, as long probably any of the canes that uh, don't have any kind of foliage on them, I'd go ahead and just cut them back, cut them down. Just to about, prune it, yeah. Prune it real good instead of just ripping it out. Right. Okay. If you okay. want to be patient, then you can decide next year what you want to do with it. But then, sure, you know, wait, uh, you know, for another couple of weeks, and then go ahead and fertilize it after you start to see the, you know, the new growth get uh, well established. And then just you, use a rose food because it's going to have some of the micronutrients that some of the regular fertilizers don't have. Oh, okay. So it's a fertilizer uh, special to uh, rose bushes. Yes, right. Like a fertilizer stick or is it a liquid? No, it's a powder or a granular type thing that you can mix in water and just pour it around. Perfect. I will try that, sir. Thank you very much for your time. Sure, my Have pleasure. a good day. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. With Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
Let's head over to Cindy's yard. Hi, Cindy. Good morning, Mike. Thanks morning. for taking my call. Sure. And I also just wanted to say I love listening to your show. So thank you for all of your knowledge. <laughs> well, thank um, you. My problem is I'm trying to help my parents get their yard back, like, under control. Um, and they have some blackberries, but they also had a lot of weeds mixed in with it. I got that all cleared out. But my biggest problem are the stink weeds. And some of them were so big, I had to use a hand saw to take them down. Is there any way to get rid of those permanently without damaging the blackberries? Basically, what you can do is make a cut. And uh, so have you already cut them down or anything? Uh, yes, yeah, some of them. I've cut them, you know, like as much as I can. Right. So I would say cut them and then paint some... Uh, herbicide on the cut right after you make the cut herbicide right like do you have anything in particular i should try well i mean uh i would say go to your favorite garden center and tell them what you have and then consequently whatever they have but uh just the best thing to do is get an herbicide that is a systemic s-y-s-t-e-m-i-c what systemic means is it goes down through the vascular system the veins, whatever, and then also will kill off the root system. So you want to kill okay. the roots off because just cutting it off is not necessarily going to make it to kill it. Let's put it that way. Right. I know they're going to come back. Right. So this um, way you can get... to... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, well, this you want to get a systemic so you can kill the root system off. Okay. And that won't hurt the blackberries? No, it won't. That's why I'm saying make a cut and then paint it right onto the open cut wound that where you made the cut on the plants that you're trying to get rid of. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Eric's. Hi, Eric. Uh, yeah. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. I've got a couple of questions. One, I've got a couple of butterfly bushes, and I had they worked okay last year, but I'm not getting any kind of growth whatsoever on them this year. And uh, um, I've also got some crepe myrtle that they're slowly coming in, but they're not. They're one of them's completely bushed out, but the other one is a little bit slow. Is there anything I can do for either one of those? No, I say if just kind of keep your fingers crossed, and with the butterfly bush. It may just be, you know, late coming because it could have been killed severely with the weather that we've had. So if if they're just, not pushing out any kind of growth at all yet, just you're just going to have to be patient with them. And then, and should, what's that? Should I put water them a little bit more at all? No, not necessarily because neither one, neither crepe myrtle or the butter, but definitely a butterfly bush. Anything with kind of a grayish foliage, grayish leaves really don't like a lot of water, so you may cause more problems than good. But uh, do water some because we've had these extended periods where it's been pretty darn dry. So, But just don't do an overwater-type circumstance. If I had a couple branches that were dead branches on a tree that's otherwise pretty healthy, is now a good time to cut these branches off or wait till the fall? Or What kind of tree is this? I'm not really even sure. Okay. Uh, some trees are better off to be cut back, you know, to have things removed. 
in the summertime. Some it's better to do it in the fall slash winter. So, but if they have no leaves on them at all, I don't know how long they are, but uh, you want to make sure that uh, you the last cut is going to be close to the trunk or the major branch that they're coming off of, and you only want to leave a stub of about a quarter inch. Off of the main trunk. Right. Okay. And is, if I'm watering, about how long should I water? About an hour or so? Yeah, in each area. That's what I'm doing right now as far as I'm watering okay. my lawn, my bed spaces, and then consequently the street trees that we have, which are sugar maples. On that crepe myrtle, should I do much water? And that one's actually bushing out somewhat, but should I water that much at all? Well, I mean, again, it's without, I mean, we haven't had any rain in the, I don't know when the last rain we had. But, yeah, you want to make sure that it does get some moisture, but don't overdo it. So if you water, okay. you know, like for an hour in an area with, a, you know, either some kind of sprinkler or something like that, then that should be enough for seven days. Okay. Thank you very much for your service. Sure. My pleasure. And Sam, can you do it quickly? These little white flowers and weeds all over the yard and ivy, and it's creeping into my yard. Any way to stop that? <laughs> Other than uh, going after it with an herbicide or hand digging, that's about all you can do. Okay. So those little white flowers, I mean, I already treat the lawn with like the Scots, you know, seasonal treatment right now is this a, is this a clover that you're looking at um i don't know they're real small to the ground they're white they look like little flowers but i know they're weeds right and they're all over the yard okay so i mean you're they, they're spreading lots of different ways on the bottom of your shoes and other things as well so just you're just gonna have to probably go after them with a broadleaf weed killer and if you put the scots down already and you're still having this problem then I would say get a, a you know broadleaf weed killer and then do the application directly onto these areas where you've got this problem. Okay. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. Sure. And uh -huh. with anybody, when I keep saying you know using an herbicide, just realize that in these temperatures you got to be really really careful about the herbicides because even in theory a broadleaf weed killer should not damage your lawn. When it's this hot, it could. So always read the label before you do any kind of application with any kind of herbicide whatsoever because there could be some cautionary type things that you got to follow. And if you don't, you could be doing some really bad damage to lots of different things besides the things that you're trying to kill off. So just keep that in mind. Got another hour to go, so 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Now, at your service, welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which is the tip of the trowel, which is a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world or things that uh, you've heard other people ask and talk about, well, you can give us a call. As I said, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and we can talk about it. Uh, tip of the trial goes out to the special people that uh, help me out. 
like last week, we had a phone uh, we had a phone call about somebody that uh, related to linden trees, and the linden trees that grow right next door to us in Pam's yard, well, they're street trees, but uh, they are not the ones that have fragrance. But I walked up Rosa the other day, and the linden trees, there's a whole row of them, and the fragrance of those linden trees was spectacular. So, yes, the linden trees do have fragrance, and they are flowering. They're not spectacular flowers, but they are very fragrant. Also, last week, a lady called, and she had in her daylilies, she had these streaks and these specks and things like that. And uh, I couldn't figure out exactly what was going on with that. But somebody emailed me a picture because she was having the same circumstance with her daylilies. And so that enabled me a chance to, guess what, figure it out. So what it is, is little specks on the daylilies, you go, what are those things? Well, what those are are as aphids, that's who's doing the damage. As they grow small they and get bigger, they, ex, they get rid of their exoskeleton. So in other words, kind of like cicadas do. So the little specks were exoskeletons of aphids. And then the streaks were caused by the aphids actually doing the feeding on the daylilies. So thanks to the people who helped me out because as much as I like to think I know everything, I really don't. <laughs> it's a plant world out there, and there's always new stuff. And, uh, well, and thanks for inviting me onto your show, where discussions can range for making plant selections for specific locations, how to care for, all those type of things, uh, what to do when things are a little bit boring, and how about the annuals? How about the... The summer bulbs, they are really, I've got some uh, cannas, and for the first year I've ever done this before, I put some elephant ears out in the landscape for the wintertime. They're coming back up. So finally, a lady had called a couple couple years ago and then called back to remind me. She leaves her elephant ears out, and she always puts a bag of mulch still in the bag over the area where uh, she plants her elephant or has her elephant ears. I didn't do that. I was I just wanted to see what was going to happen. And they it's in between two houses, our house and the neighbor's house, and they're f- finally coming back. So, uh, but anyway, and actually, someone you know that I just stored in the garage and pots. There, everything is starting to really kind of take off and make me think about summertime. So again. The lady uh, called about uh, you know the elephant ears she had planted in her yard and had him good luck with them for several years. So uh, how about your fountain? How about your water garden? Or uh, how about those perennials? Woo wee! <sighs> Spectacular perennials. Please remember though, my answers opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take for success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important player of this uh, KMOX Garden Hotline is Drew. He's a producer. He pushes all the buttons, and also he answers the phone. So when you call, he just needs your first name. And uh, I'm Mike Miller, Garden Hotline since 1994. Oh, Next year, that'll be 30 years. Yikes. That's a long time. Besides Saturday morning get-together, I can come out to your plant world for an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. My website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage has my email address and phone number.
Today's tip of the trial was brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Again, a tip of the trial goes out to all the people that help me out with pictures, emailing me pictures and things like that to help me uh, get better and better and better at doing this. So let's go ahead and take a call or two. Let's, where should we go? Oh. <laughs> let's go to Gloria's. Hi, Gloria. How you doing? I thought you forgot about me. Oh, no. <laughs> what I was calling about, my grass had messed up with the worms or something, eating it up, and I called Allen Tree Service, and they told me it was worms or something eating it up, and that I can wait in the fall to put the zarga down. But, I mean, not the zarga, the sassel uh, down. But I was trying to see. I seen some annual grass seeds, the scotchdale. Do you think that'll work for the two months for the summer? Well, it might be a lot of work to get the seed to germinate and things like that. I don't know if that's going to be worth your effort. Now, if you want to go ahead and do it, that's fine. But uh, that's going to be, like I said, a whole lot of work. And especially if this is sort of like an indication of what our summer is going to be like, you know, getting the seed to germinate and then keeping it healthy through these heat kind of circumstances, that could be tough. I just might wait till the fall and just, right. just keep it cut. Right. And I, I got all these flowers. These people say, why well, she don't do that in some of their yard? <laughs> but uh, I don't care what they say. Hey, this is my life, flowers. I got so many flowers and about 15 hydrangeas. And the lady said hers ain't blooming. Mine's are coming up a little more since I started uh, pushing that acid level on them. All right. So, so yeah, yeah, they are. I didn't know. I always use the uh, fertilizers that you uh, you know, regular fertilizer that you now and I did use the rose bush. The rose bushes, the knockout bushes are coming up good because I used the fertilizer that you said used for roses. Right. So they get really blooming good. All right, great. Okay, and you have a good day. I'll just leave it alone. Let it stay in fall. So in fall, I just put dirt over it and then this grass seed. No, don't put uh, dirt. Uh, use like a compost. So not just oh, so use a compost, right? Yeah, okay. Just a light dressing, just like a a half inch or so, and that's just to kind of, uh, I guess, inoculate the uh, the newly German the new seed. What if I put the uh, compost on it now to make it look a little better? Well, I mean, the compost is just going to look dark, but you, I mean, that's you can all put right. You look better than look better than that spare spot. <laughs> <laughs> Then certainly go ahead. Go for the aesthetics. Okay. Thank you for the information. Sure. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Hello. Hello? Go ahead, Steve. Okay, I couldn't hear you there for a minute. Uh, Mike, I've got a gardenia tree that I bought about two weeks ago. It's about uh, three feet tall. Uh, had a lot of buds on it. Uh, after about four days, I replanted it into a larger plant uh, that's going to be displayed with that in it. And uh, the, the buds on it started to droop. Uh, so I gave it a good shot of water. 
and it drained through the bottom of the pot that I have it in. And then within the next three days, it started to drop yellow leaves. And it's continuing to do that, even though it's still got some buds on it that are standing up straight. Uh, what would you recommend I do? <laughs> to be honest with you, gardenias are very difficult to grow. And uh, transplanting it or anything else, it could set it back a little bit, but your success with gardenias is going to be really limited. So what you're experiencing is probably what I don't want to say everyone experiences, but a great percentage of people experience when they try to have a gardenia for a houseplant. Okay. Well, this is, this is outside. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it gets light, but it doesn't get a lot of direct sun. It, it may get a little bit, but I've got it in a shaded spot. So it gets light, but it doesn't get direct sun. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily need direct sun, but it needs to be, you know, where there is some bright light, but still that's just, it's not a really good one for, you know, I mean, it's a house plant and you have it outside, which is fine, but it's still a tropical plant that doesn't necessarily like the St. Louis area. I got you. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just uh, hang in here. And I, I, I was afraid I was giving it too much water for one thing. Yeah, you can uh, Overwatering is, you know, certainly, you know, on the downhill side. And hopefully the, the potting mix that you put it, when you put it into a larger pot or a different pot, you yep. got potting mix and not potting soil. I use miracle Grow potting mix. So that's perfect. So you did everything okay. you can, but still they just don't like it here. Okay. All right. Well, we'll work on it. This will, this will be the second year I've tried it. We'll see see if this works. <laughs> okay. So. Good luck. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Sure. Bye-bye. And now let's go and see Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Oh, uh, how are you doing today? Good. Um, I have a question. I have an elm tree, and it's, um, it's fairly large, and um, I have mulch out from it like three or four feet around the perimeter. And it's got those roots that come up out of the ground. Right. And um, I was going to plant some hostas. If I plant between those roots, will, will those hostas do okay? Uh, it's going to be kind of iffy because that sounds like it's pretty close to the trunk. So even though you're putting it in between the roots, I would say at least uh, what's the diameter of the trunk of the tree? Oh, I'd say it's probably two foot. It's a pretty good-sized tree, foot and a half maybe. So I probably wouldn't try to plant any hostas any closer than probably like four or five feet away from the trunk. Any closer than that, even though you think you're putting it in between the roots, you are, but there's still going to be a heck of a lot of, let's say, wood product there of the tree. So in other words, you're going to be trying to grow your hosta on hardwood floors. Okay, now another one. I, I just did plant a couple of hostas in an area, and it's mostly shade, but it gets some late afternoon sun directly on them. And I was reading in a, a garden magazine that you put a tomato cage around it and put some weed barrier to block it from the sun because these are new and just getting in established, you know. Is that a good idea? Well, that's a lot of work, but... Uh... I would say just leave them alone, see if they do get a sunburn in the location where they are, and uh, then maybe you know go to that kind of an extreme circumstance. But I just leave them alone. And when you do the hosta, okay. realize that if you get the variegated ones, they're going to be a little less uh, 
tough than some of the solid foliaged ones. I see. Okay. Well, so, thank you very much. Yeah. Anything with any kind of streaks or stripes or on the edges or whatever, they're just not going to be quite as strong as the ones that, uh, I mean, they have oh. green leaves and they have the blue green leaves and uh, they're going to be the tougher plants. Right. We've got some of each, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. Mm-hmm. And let's now go to Lenny's yard. Hi, Lenny. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I'm making an access down to my lake uh, for my boat, and I got a dogwood. That's I've been here at 19 years. It was it was already probably five years old when I moved out. If I bring in a backhoe and water that real good, is there a way I could move that dogwood since it's in the way? How big would that root ball be? It would be big, and it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work, huh? No. I mean, something that mature is, it's just, it's going to be really iffy. Even if you have a backhoe, uh, you're just going to, I mean, you could go ahead and try it, but I would say success is going to be minimal. And you probably, let's say, if a tree that old, you need to have the probably the uh, a root ball maybe three, three to four feet in diameter and about uh, 18 to 24 inches deep. Okay. Well, I guess it can't hurt. No, you can try it. Okay. One other quick question. I got a a bunch of little Henry's that aren't so little anymore. Uh, They've really sent out a lot of suckers and shoots out the bottom, and now they've grown in with my lyrope and my uh, irises and all that stuff. Uh, How do you... How do you get rid of those without – do you have to dig dig those out, or can I just clip them off of the ground? Or You're probably going to have to dig them out to make sure that you're getting getting rid of them entirely. Yeah, because they've, they've almost doubled in size since I put them in. <laughs> right. So, okay, and real quick, too, I got ornamental grasses, and they've been in quite a while that they've – they're growing in a, in a ring now, you know, with the, the centers hollowed out. Right. If I dig out the dead in the middle and then throw in new, you know, topsoil compost, uh, will that grow back in, or is that always going to be hollow like that? No, it's all the center is always going to be hollow. So with the maiden grasses, it, for the most part, and you know they're the one that do it more so than some of the other grasses, but they migrate out from the original location. They won't migrate back in, regardless of what you do. So the best thing you do is dig up the whole thing, chop the center out, which has no kind of green blades, and then uh, chop the uh, the perimeter, which the green blades are, and then replant those in that location. Okay. Well, yeah, currently my dogs use it as – I got 60-pound dogs. They use it as a fort. They hide out in the middle, so <laughs> I'll, uh, I, I'll cut – and can I do that now, or is that something best left for fall? Yeah, uh, you mean as far as the center? Yeah, as far well as far as dividing it. And I would probably, I mean, they're pretty tough, but again, you're just taking a chance because of the weather and everything else. I would say just wait. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yep. Have a good day. Bye. Same to you. And now let's go to Fred's yard. Hi, Fred. Good morning, Mike. Thank morning. you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, first of all, I would, you kind of deflated my balloon because you said you don't know everything about plants. 
So uh, I thought you did know everything. <laughs> okay, that's my comment. Now my question. You ready? You're kind of cutting out. Oh, uh, do you, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of clover, and I use some ortho uh, to kill the clover, and it seems to have worked pretty well. Is that a systemic product? Yeah, it should be. It should kill not just the above-ground growth, but it should kill the root system as well. But there may be some of the root system that's, you know, sort of like gets around, you know, that type thing. But in general, that's what it should be, is systemic. Okay. All right. Uh, and then boxwoods. I've got some deadness. I guess it's from the winter. Um, what should I do? Should I cut the deadness out? Uh, it's not a lot, but they're, they're healthy boxwoods, but they do have some deadness in them. Now, is this deadness coming all the way to the ends of the branches, or is this just down into the interior? Uh, some to the to the branches, but it's below. It's low, low to the plant. Um, yeah, so you can go ahead. What that is is those are areas that are just not getting any enough light, so consequently the boxwood kind of compartmentalizes them and shuts them off. So that's kind of what's happening. Okay. Should I water them? Uh, what, how often should I water a boxwood? Basically, you know, they all need, all the plant material outside just in general need about an inch of water uh, a week. And so consequently, that's about an hour of watering at a, at a trickle or with a sprinkler or whatever irrigation system or whatever you happen to use. Okay. All right. And, um, um, I think that about does it. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, we're headed over to Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Mike, I've got a Norwegian spruce. I've uh, been in my condo here for 30-some years, and most of that time the Norwegian spruce been right outside. Very pleased and proud. It's beautiful. It's over six feet tall. Every spring lately, around uh, May or so, I noticed bare spots and needles turn brown, and uh, I, I was advised there's probably mites, and when I checked it, I think they were right. And I've got here, if I say the name right, 55%, if I say his name right here, Malathion, is that how I said it? Price checker over it. So, anyway, it seems to work very well. This year, the brown spots started sooner than normal, maybe the weather wise, and uh, I sprayed it, and I watered it thoroughly about a week and a half ago, let the trickle water run all long hours, and but yet the brown spots are spreading out bigger. Is there anything else I can do? Is it maybe age? Is thirty some years old? Yeah, it's probably age as much as anything. So, okay, well, I hate to uh, give it up. I'm so proud of it and pleased with it. I pamper and thing, but uh, just try to keep it going. But not, I guess, like the rest of us. I'm a senior, so we're all getting old and have problems. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, getting Mike. old and have problems too. 
Yes, you're horrible. You can tell me about that. So, okay. <laughs> I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks very much. Sure. Okay, and bye-bye. From Jeans, let's go to Jerry's. Hi, Jerry. Yes, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a section of our uh, our lawn that doesn't get much direct sunlight, and I've noticed that uh, moss is creeping in, and I'm wondering how to either get rid of it or control it. Uh, there's not really. I mean, there's a product called DMOS, but the actually the environment of that location is what's making the problem happen as far as related to the moss growth. So the soil pH, the weather, the location, and everything else. So you can get rid of it, but it's probably going to be coming back. So just getting rid of it is not going to eradicate it permanently. I can't rake it up and... Will that help if I rake the, the lawn and get some of it out? Or? No, not really, because, again, it's a whole setting, and that's why it's there. It's, like I said, the soil pH, the in, just the environment in general. So, I mean, aesthetically, you'll get rid of it when you're, you you finish raking, but mm-hmm. still, the, you know, let's say the chemistry and the setting is still going to encourage it to come back again. Yeah, I see. Okay. Okay, Mike, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you could just... Spend a lot of time, a lot of energy and money, and end up with kind of in the same place that you are currently. Will it kill the grass? Well, it doesn't kill the grass, but the grass can't go where the moss can grow. So mm-hmm. that's so it's just kind of being yeah, it just takes advantage of that kind of situation. So you, regardless of if you got rid of the moss, you're not still going to get grass to grow there. I see. Okay, thank you, Mike. Yep. And now let's go over to Ralph's. Hi, Ralph. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Hey, I got a question. I got a gorgeous yellowwood tree in my front yard. And I was wondering, I mean, it really showed off this spring with all the flowers on it. And I was wondering with the pods that are on there now, can I plant some yellowwoods from them? You should be able to. So... Uh, so what? I just wait until they uh, dry up, right? And then and just use the seeds or the whole pod? No, no, just they're individual seeds. The pod's full of seeds, so I mean, I would say take it out, take the seeds out of the pod, and just uh, get some uh, potting mix for you know starting plants, and then right. get and then do them in pots that way. Okay. I'm going to give them a try because those trees are just gorgeous. My tree was just beautiful this All year. All right, sounds perfect. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's fun to grow things from seed for sure. And uh, let's head to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Hey, um, I got a quick question. Every year I kind of go back and forth. I've got some Bermuda, a uh, small section, maybe five by 15 feet in my yard, but then it it's throughout the fescue. kind of goes well with the fescue. Um, throughout the rest of the year, though this small section, I've got mixed opinions on uh, every year. I think about maybe I can try to get rid of it. Maybe I can uh, overplant it, you know, uh, with some fescue. What are your opinions on those two grasses kind of working together? Well, I mean, they're kind of separate realities. The the fescues are going to go dormant or slow down during the heat of the summertime, and that's a Bermuda's time to really kind of accelerate. So, and the actual color, the the size of the blades and everything else are not the same. But if it, you if if it's okay with you, there's nothing wrong with it. 
Right. It's just in the springtime, you know, it, it takes so long for the ground to get 80. And then in the summertime, it's right. just this one spot that's just Bermuda, whereas the rest of it, you know, when the fescue dies off in hotter months, um, you know, kind of takes over and takes a place. So they kind of work well together, whereas the springtime, the fescue, you know, it's green. Right. But this one section, do you think it's that there's any use of trying to till it up and put fescue and then just kind of expect the Bermuda to come back through? Well, it shouldn't. I mean, uh, you could certainly maybe not just till it, but uh, kind of cut it out like if you buy a piece of sod, just go and, uh, you know, go online or whatever and look at, you know, the depth of the sod. Try to cut the you know, the Bermuda out that way as opposed to rototilling it into the ground and see if uh, that should really eradicate the circumstance a lot more so than just rototilling it. Okay. All right. And then I had one other question. What is your opinion on getting a big pile of sand and uh, spreading that all over your lawn to help then using a lawn like rig to uh, level it? Uh, not so good because our clay soils together and sand, that's how you make bricks. Okay. So, <laughs> so compost so. as opposed to sand? Yes, definitely. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sand and clay together, that's what bricks are made out of. And let's see. Let's head over to Jim's. Hi, Jim. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hey, happy Saturday. I Speaking of bricks, I have a concrete uh, patio, and I have trouble with moss growing in between the bricks. I believe it's sanded, and it faces north. Is there anything I can do to uh, deter the the growth of that moss in there. Yeah, you can. I mean, that DMOS product that I was talking about can work in this situation. So go to your favorite garden center, tell them, you know, what you got the moss in this, you know, in your patio, and they'll have a, you know, a product that you can use. It's called DMOS? Yeah, DMOS. Or they may not have that specific one, but if they have anything that can eradicate moss, you know, just doing it in your landscape doesn't work so well. But in a you know hardscape situation, it will work. Oh, okay, and also too, any advice on growing uh, tomatoes out of a, like a you know ten uh, gallon pot? Does that work? Oh yeah, you can. Uh, that's a huge pot, so just make sure that you get tomato food, you fertilize them, and uh, you they really want to be kept well watered. And so, I mean, you should have good luck with it with a pot that big. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Yep. And okay. now let's see. Where should we go? Let's go over to Rich's. Hi, Rich. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Got a couple uh, questions here. I got these farmers that are pushing up piles of dirt in the yard and also in the planting beds. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, I've trapped moles in the trails. I'm able to get these, but these guys that are pushing up all these this dirt, piles of it, are difficult. I don't know how to, exactly how to get rid of them. The other question uh, refers to uh, the uh, weed barrier. Uh, is there a, how do you feel about that, putting down weed barrier? I mean, I put it down, and the weeds still grow in the wood chips or the mulch that I top it off with after a couple of years, you know. So, right. And then I kind of have to reset the weed barrier. So 
and of course the moles that or the whatever's pushing up the dirt it pushes up the ground uh, the weed barrier as well so I want your opinion on those two please okay with the weed barrier it's very effective on anything that's underneath it but new seed can blow in and the new seed can go down and germinate and work its way root system down through the mulch and actually can go through the weed barrier so that's you know what you're seeing is what's happening very effective for any kind of plant material that you're covering up with it but it doesn't really work against anything that new seed that might blow in or come in on the bottom of a, you know your shoes or your mower or anything else and the moles and the moles I mean, what they're they're pushing up the soil because they have a secondary tunnel, and the secondary uh-huh. tunnel is the one that's lower, and that's the one they used to go back to their before they go to sleep and stuff at night. So that's what's happening. They're just digging a whole a new series of tunnels. Surface tunnel is for food. That's where the earthworms are. The lower tunnel is to go back and you know take a nap or go to sleep at night or whatever or have babies if you're a female. So is there a uh, way to deal with those? Well, uh, I mean, just trapping them on the surface. I mean, you just you you know they're there because they're pushing up that soil. But uh, just watch for the surface tunnels to pop up and put your traps in those locations. Okay. And one other quick question. Uh, uh, feeding, uh, I put out some tomato plants in my little garden. And uh, feeding them organically and is one thing uh, what's best for that. And also... Uh, organically trying to keep the bugs and stuff off of them from eating on them. Yeah, I would say just kind of, you know, watch them, watch it just kind of in general. Uh, if you're really, con- you know, conscientious about it, there are some products that can be used to control, you know, insect circumstances on the tomatoes. But I would say just kind of watch it and just, I don't say leave it alone, but basically that's what you, you know, what you can do because. I mean, the tomatoes are not really going to have all that, you know, many kind of insect problems if they're overall healthy. Okay, so they've, they've I don't know what it is, kind of eating the little holes and stuff like that on them, that kind of things, you know, is what I've experienced. So, right. So uh, just feeding uh, some organic uh, fertilizer, would right. that would be a recommendation? or? Yeah, that would be the best thing. Just keep them healthy and just understand that they're not going to be picture perfect. Uh-huh. Because of the reality of the circumstance. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have a few phone lines open. KMOX. Let's head over and see what's going on with Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, Hi. Yeah, I have a question about a really, really old oak tree. Um this thing's probably a hundred years old. I Yikes. mean, it's huge. It's a a bur oak, they call it, with real big acorns. Yeah. And um, do I have to be concerned about that in the drought? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I kind of figured. It would probably have a tap root or uh, a long root or something. Well, the long roots basically just keep the trees from falling over. So all the feeder roots, regardless of the age of the tree, are really within the top twelve or fourteen inches. Wow. So okay. they're all near the surface. So anything that goes down any deeper than that really doesn't do much absorption of nutrients or moisture. But yeah, okay. it, it wouldn't hurt to go ahead and water it. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's on the border. It's really in my neighbor's yard, but right on the border of my property. But I just love this tree, and we had two of them, and we lost one, so mm. I'd hate to lose another one, right. you know. But, I mean, there everything does have a limited life as far as how long they can survive. So Yeah, it, it looks real healthy. So good. if I watered it, would I just water it? Uh, run the hose a little distance out from the trunk so it would get some of those roots that no, are... No, I would say probably halfway out from the trunk to the extension of the branches, that's when you're going to start to find the feeder roots. Anything closer than that, the roots really don't have the absorption ability. Okay, okay. Halfway out from the trunk. Right, halfway out from the trunk, and then you can migrate out to, you know, from that point. And, like, just slow drip water it for about... An hour or so? Yeah, or? I would not necessarily slow drip water because that's only going to do a limited amount of space. Do you have a sprinkler? No, but I, I'm thinking about buying one. Yeah, <laughs> so you could, so you can soak the, you know, soak the area. But yeah, just running it at a drizzle that's not going to, that's going to take forever in a day. Okay, I have one of those circular rings that has all the little holes in it, and you attach it to the hose, and it just. You know, water comes up out of that. Oh, it's like well, just a plastic circle. Right. Well, that's fine, just so you can get an area that's just not dripping at the end of the hose. Right. Okay, gotcha. And um, I have one more comment about the guy who just called about the moles. I have been battling moles for years, and I'm too much of a softy to trap them. So uh, recently a friend of mine said they don't like coffee, the smell of coffee. And I did have an experience with voles where they were going after my Monarda plant right after I put it in the ground. And I took some of my coffee grounds and put it around the plant where they were making little holes, and they disappeared. All right. That ended that. So I'm going to give it a try. What I do is I go out there and I collapse both of the tunnels with my shovel um, to slow them down, and because I just hate it. You know, I hate it when I all these long, big tunnels of dirt, you know, they push up the earth so much. Sure. But um, I'm going to try it. I could let you know. I'm just going to take one of my coffee filters and, you know, collapse those tunnels and make a hole and throw it in there and cover it up and see what happens. All right. Well, good luck. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to pass that along. Right. And, All right. All one, right. Thanks a lot. And one question. Uh, do you, uh, I guess, are you still there? No. I was wondering what kind of coffee she used. Is it French roast? Is it espresso? What kind is it? Let's go now to Marilyn. Marilyn, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Mike? Very good. We got to do it kind of quick. Okay, I will. It's just one question. How on earth do you get rid of wisteria? Wisteria? I hate it. <laughs> yes, wisteria. So, yeah, it's basically it's a really, you know, heavy duty. I don't know how old these plants are, but you. You can try it one way or another. You can either have them dug out or you can go ahead and cut them off at about a 12-inch above the ground at a 45-degree angle, then paint Roundup for killing woody plants on the cut right after you make it, and that will kill the, you know, kill the stem and kill the root system below the ground. Okay, because they send out shooters. I mean, I'm talking 50 foot from from the original plant, and then whenever one of those come up and we find it, we grub it out. But it's just a pain. Right. So you've got to. What you need to do is like you know, with this Roundup for killing woody plants, it will kill the root system because of the runner roots and everything else. 
Okay, great. That's what I needed. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, it's getting kind of late. Linda, Marty, and Mike, we're not going to be able to get to you this week, but maybe next week. I just want to remind everybody about the how dry it is. Even though there has been some windy days, when the wind is blowing, it even makes it worse. But when you get these drought, you know, these drought circumstances or situations extended this long, all the plant material, whether they're large mature trees like the lady talked about, the oak tree, or whether they're things that have been installed in the last couple of years, whether they're herbaceous, whether they're woody, whether they're broadleaf or anything else, moisture is extremely important. And especially when we get the heat circumstance like this, it's just humidity does help a little bit as far as moisture goes. But beyond that, it's good. So get those irrigation systems and those sprinklers out. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I certainly appreciate everybody having me on your show. If you weren't there, I wouldn't be here. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.